Have you ever found yourself in circumstances of discomfort that almost made you want to give up? I can certainly say yes to that. Now, if you have, I hope you're one of those people that chose to rise from that situation and say, do you know what? I'm going to get through this. Or better yet, I'm going to turn things around so much that I'll make this failure propel me to success no matter what. Well, welcome to another week of Scale Up with Nick Bradley, everyone. My guest this week is none other than Sterling Hawkins, who is the founder of No Matter What, which is a movement that pushes people past their limiting beliefs and shows them how to achieve the results they want regardless of their circumstances. Now, Sterling himself is an investor, he's an entrepreneur, he's a keynote speaker. Let's just say we had lots in common. And in this conversation, you're gonna get lots of energy, lots of hope, enthusiasm, and of course, practical information because he and I explore different topics on how that you can turn adversity, limiting beliefs, comfort zones into things that can actually serve you. And we're gonna to touch on his new book, which is called Hunting Discomfort, which is coming out later this month. How does it feel in that specific moment? It's probably located somewhere in your body. And if you look a little bit further, either just in your head, you might want to journal of this. There was a first time that you felt that way. So we're going to get into his journey, all the highs, all the lows that led him to starting the No Matter What movement. We're going to get into what the movement is all about and how it aims to impact people's lives. And then we're going to get into the five practices that unlock human potential to make a big difference for people's companies, the communities, and their families. And then we're going to finish with what has he got planned for the future, which is all pretty cool. The way out of your current circumstances, the way to go to the next level is through whatever you're facing, through the fear, through the anxiety, through the embarrassment, whatever it is. So get ready. I cannot wait to share this amazing conversation with an amazing guy. Please do get your pen, your notepad out and take notes if you can. Here to share inspiration to help you get through whatever you are going through right now, no matter what. Welcome to the show, Sterling Hey everybody, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for another week. I am delighted to have someone on the show today who shares, I think, my passion for doing hard things, right? And pushing through <laughs> challenges no matter what. I've got you excited That's already, right. haven't I? Yeah. Um, joining me today on the show is Sterling Hawkins. Welcome, sir. Nick, great to be here. Great to spend some time with you. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, it's great to bring people on where, as I said, we share some, I'm sure we're going to, you know, in this, the course of the next, you know, 30, 45 minutes, we're going to realize we've got quite a lot in common and <laughs> probably some similar stories. I have stories. no doubt. Well, I've seen from your Instagram already. I'm like, I like this guy. Yeah, well, I like to do things a bit differently. I've had my own challenges, but, you know, I look back on some of those challenges as being major turning points, but not just turning points in terms of they made me think differently and then act differently. They took me to a different place, you know, a different form of my identity, right? Every time. And that for me is growth, which means I contribute back more. I share my story. That message helps people. And I think when you start to get into that world, you start to feel, you know, a lot more fulfillment. Well, certainly a lot more fulfillment versus what I used to do. Totally. Yeah. And, and I shouldn't have said every time because you do have to use those tough moments in a certain way to make them effective, but they can be transformative because when you really get down to the grit into something, you know, whether it's finishing an ultra endurance race or building a company or getting to a place where you're ready to sell it, like it does take reconstituting yourself in a certain way. And if yeah. you're hanging on to what's gotten you to where you are, that's not going to take you to the next level. Yeah. I talk a lot about, you know, I talk about a lot about business, but I, I say, you know, you yeah. can really only scale a business to the level of your identity. So there's a no shift. question. 
of that. But let's get into to learn a bit more about you. So, so for people who want to watch this on video, they can see a massive sign, big hashtag behind your head, which is <laughs> no matter what. That's right. Um, for those listening, you're just going to have to trust that it's there. And it's big, right? So, so it, it takes yeah. up half his, well, actually probably more than half his wall. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, just let's get your story. You know, why, what you're doing now, why you've got that massive sign, but what's got you to, to this place? Yeah, totally. Well, I, I started out an entrepreneur. Uh, right out of college, I founded a company out of my family supermarket. I actually grew up a fifth generation retailer, believe it or not. And um, long story short, we sold it to a group in Silicon Valley where it became part of like an Apple Pay before Apple Pay. And Got this it. is early 2000s. And people are looking at thing, this thing saying, hey, this is the future. Like, we want to be part of this. We want to grow. Retailers were implementing it. So we raised over 550 million US dollars. Wow. Multi-billion dollar valuation. How many, How many? just because just I'm curious, how many um, raises was that or how many rounds? What was it? Uh, I think we got into an E round. Right, okay, uh, wow. So that, 700 that, people, offices yeah. all over the world. You know, it's Man. getting into your territory back when you were doing those big exits. Well, it's funny, right? You know, I was just, you know, not to not to jump away from your story too much, but I was looking today yeah. at all of the all these marquee businesses, right? Have you seen the share price drops where they've raised so yeah. much money, right? And then you realize that you know they've over leveraged, right? And the totally. names like Peloton's on there. You've got obviously Netflix, you've got Coinbase. Yep. So it's a really tough game. I tend to to operate in a slightly different part of the chain than that because it was where the profit was already there as opposed to the profits yeah. coming. But tell me Very wise, it. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I know some people criticize me because I haven't got an NFT ape on the back wall yet. But yeah. I'm like, you know what? I just I just play my lane, man. I play my lane. I, don't, I gotta I don't, get one of those myself, I think. Oh, uh, but it really was. It was that over leveraging piece that when the housing market collapsed, uh, our funding dried up. And we just ran out of runway, half a billion dollars, all the investment was gone. You know, we ended up licensing or selling some of the patents, but it was like pennies on the dollar. Uh, and it's, it's painful when this happens, man. I, uh, I, I feel for you because I've seen it happen so many times with very, very good, successful people, right? You know, they, they're oh, clever yeah. people, but they're always trying to like just grab because they're going to run out. They have to get that. And then the complexity yeah. can sometimes stifle the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I tell you, I, I met some of the smartest people to this day I've ever met in my life in that company. Um, but the funding ran out. And what I didn't realize is coming right out of school, my identity was so tied up in that yeah. company and the success and um, what my life's going to be about that when the company crashed, so did I. And it was like I played out this sad country song where not only did I no longer have a job, but I run out of cash. I go from this gorgeous penthouse in downtown San Francisco, like floor to ceiling windows, looking out over the Bay Bridge, like just an ideal place to my parents' house. And it got did so you, bad, did even you my girlfriend chance? broke up with both. What's like, that? We'll get into that. Did you get a chance to exit before that? Was there a point where you, know, mm -hmm. so you could have left, but you kind of held on because it was going to IPO or something? Or was it just... You never got to that Yeah. Stage. Well, it, you know, everything was pointing towards an IPO until all of a sudden it wasn't. And yeah. it wasn't just that we didn't have a chance to exit. It was worse. We had the bankruptcy court try and ask for some of the money that they oh, we man. had taken out back. So uh, you parents' this, parents house, girlfriend's right, parents house, you. girlfriend's breaking up with me. Like I've got nothing. And it was really this rock bottom moment. And I'll never forget laying in bed in their like spare guest room because they had moved houses from where I'd grown up. And so they've got this little guest room and I'm in there with my boxes and my suitcase 
And I get in bed that first night staring at the ceiling in over six figures in personal debt. And I'm like, what happened? Like, where did I go wrong? And I made a kind of a declaration to myself that night. I'm like, you know, I'm going to come back in the face of that failure, in the face of all these missteps that I've made. I'm going to do something with my life with three words that have become very important to me, no matter what. And what started as a personal mantra has really become a movement. Wow. So take us from that. Take us from that night, right? So firstly, where did the words come from? Did, did they just appear? Sometimes, you know, the reason I asked that question, which may sound a bit ethereal, is sometimes these yeah. things land when they need to land because I had a very similar yeah. experience. Did, did they just hit you someday? You don't know where they came from and you thought, you know what? Or did you create it? Yeah, no, it just landed on me. And, I, you know, from growing up, like there was always that grit mindset and can do attitude and get things done. Like there was some hard charging background that I came from. If you look at my parents and extended family and even friends, but in that moment, no matter what meant something much more visceral to me at a much deeper level. And, you know, the next day or within the next couple of days, I forget when it was exactly, I'm sitting at the computer. I'm like, okay, no matter what, but like what, no matter what, what, and this phrase that my mom said when I was a kid just came to me in that moment. She said, the way out is through. I don't know if you heard it. It's actually Robert Frost, but to me, it'll always be my mom. The way, the way out is through. The way out is through. I haven't heard that before. Really? Oh. It, it, it's one that I live by. And what it means is the way out of your current circumstances or the way to go to the next level is through whatever you're facing through the fear, through the anxiety, through the embarrassment, whatever it is. And I sat back and yeah, I got a fair bit of anxiety at this point because my company had fell apart. I thought I was supposed to be something. I'm not quite sure what my place is in the world. And I'm like, okay, the thing that scares me most right now is speaking in public. Really? Hands even, after down. even after raising all that money, you're going to jump on, jump in front of some board tables to get that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a, a team to raise money, but now I, I was by myself. I didn't right. have anything. I lost everything. Uh, and I developed this really deep anxiety. It was really terrifying for me to speak, even in a conversation like this, not to mention on a stage somewhere really? in a boardroom, like any of that. I was just like, I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was hepped up on all sorts of medication for it as well. Was, was that, a dark is that moment. partly just because the confidence that you'd had was just eradicated by what was going on? So therefore, anything that was going to put you on a, you know, a pedestal or anything that's going to put you in front of exactly. people. Yeah. Wow. Like my identity was so tied up in what I lost. I didn't know who I was. And it was terrifying. Mm. It, you know, I love that Seinfeld say, like many people would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. And that was totally me. Like, I just simply couldn't do it. I said, okay, well, if the way out is through and I'm going to go through no matter what, I've got to speak somewhere. And it's like right then my email dings and I get this spam message for a conference in Singapore. It wasn't to me specifically. It was saying something like, buy a ticket to come to our conference. And I hit the reply button and I said, why don't you have me speak best Sterling? That's now, what you said. You didn't even, th that's no, it. No pitch, nothing. This is what I'd say. No speak pitch. About. Exactly. Like just with my email signature. And I don't know if the stars aligned or maybe it's because I didn't have anything to lose or the heavens open up. Like I can't it's explain because you exactly didn't pitch. It's probably, it's probably because it's so rare for someone not to then go into somebody, you know, this is, this is how, what I do. They probably right, like copy and paste. <laughs> like, here's what I want to talk about. It's just, why don't you have me speak? And the conference director ends up getting back to me. And I negotiate to be their headline keynote speaker at their conference coming up in like three or four months. Wow. 
And based on at that point in time, had you worked out, not when you sent the email, but what you were going to talk about, was it going to be about what you'd just been through? Yeah, we had talked a couple of times and it was taking some experience and talking about the missteps that we made, Got which it. sounded great in theory. But then after I signed the contract, I'm like, Sterling, what did you just do? Like, you've got no speaking credentials. You've got no right to be there. In fact, the only reason that they're inviting you on that stage is because you're a huge failure. Like, what, what, what's the matter with you? So I practiced incessantly for three, four months leading up to it. I know a lot of people say, like, when you practice, it alleviates the anxiety. That was not my experience at all. I mean, I, for <laughs> days leading up to it, I had heart palpitations, getting on the plane. I was flush. I was sweating. I'm like, insane, 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 insane. And, you know, the day comes, I'm sitting in the audience and I hear the words that I've been terrified to hear for months, which is, please welcome to the stage, Sterling Hawkins. Everybody claps. I get up on stage. And I'm not quite sure what happened for the next 30, 45 minutes, however long it was. Like, I'm pretty sure I blacked out. So it was a good thing I practiced because I must have been on autopilot. And I get off the stage. I'm kind of covering my eyes because I don't want to see the conference director. I don't want to see anybody. I think I bombed. And the conference director comes up to me and he goes, Sterling, that's the greatest talk I've seen in my 17 years of doing this. To this day, I don't think he was actually in the talk that I gave. But he did go on to put me in touch with all of his conference director friends. And I had the speaking career on my hands. And I'm like, my mom was right. The way out is through. And I need to commit to going through no matter what. And what was the, what was the talk? I mean, obviously, it was a personal story. So that's probably where the connection and everything was. And you're probably very sure. vulnerable with it. But, but what was the actual thing? What was the, the subject? Was it what you learned from this experience? or? Yeah, what we learned from the experience and what we can... Um, take out of that failure that I made so other people don't have to make them. You know, as I look at it now, it was a very early version of the no matter what system, which is now in my book. Like now it's much more refined. There's much more research and case studies and actually working with people and companies to do this stuff. But I look at it as like, that was the birthplace of where these things started. Let's do a time check. When was that speech? Uh, we're probably talking about eight years ago, nine years ago, somewhere in there. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so and what it's happened been a roller coaster. You just went, you, you just went and, and basically kept, I suppose you went speaking after that. You went speaking to her and then exactly. you created a whole ecosystem and community around that since then, I take it. Yeah. So, you know, I started sharing my failures. We started developing the system. And it was my sister that actually started it because she was right out of college when I was giving this talk and I recruited her. She didn't have a job at the time. She graduated, you know, high marks marketing of Georgetown. And uh, I said, listen, can you just help me with this talk? Help me with the presentation, put this thing together. The poor girl, I practiced this thing thousands of times in front of her. And then when the time came, I said, you know, either I'll pay you for the amount of time you spent here, or you can come to Singapore with me and be part of giving this talk. And she goes, Sterling, you're an idiot. Like I'm coming to Singapore. I wouldn't pass this up. Like right out of college. She's like, I'm not passing this up. Um, and she started sharing it. She's like, huh. The way out is through and she's taken some of the practices. She says, you know, one of the things that I've been fighting with most of my life is, is diet and exercise. I'm going to commit to become a world-class bodybuilder. And so she did within a couple of months, she hired a trainer. She's got exercise plans. She's weighing all of her food. She's eating the protein and the creatine and all the other things that these weightlifters do. And just, I think it was three, three, four years ago now, she 
gold medaled as a world champion bodybuilder fitness level but she's doubling, same, as doubling as your bottle bodyguard now exactly yeah i i have to go around dealing with the fact that people are like you know your sister can beat you up right i'm like absolutely i know no, no, I i'm know. wrestling in the bar i get it i get it that's why she's on my side uh and then she started to tell her friends and her friends and her friends and all of a sudden it's become a group of people we call it the no matter what community but a group of people that are really committed to big audacious things that maybe scare the hell out of them and are willing to go through the discomfort they need to to achieve them let's go through your system so how do you how do you, you break it. this down so if someone turns up let's let's do a bit of practicality i always like to get practical on these things so someone yeah. turns up and they they want to they want to create a change right they want to make a shift um yep. do you try and focus them first on the the one big thing that they want to change or take us through that process so the place i always start is where are you uncomfortable just in your day-to-day -day or in your life or where are you avoiding discomfort there's a reason my book's called hunting discomfort because it's a divining rod where you can find the breakthroughs you're looking for right it's it's the essence of the way out is through yeah what, what is it that's in the way of you being successful, maybe even with the knowledge and capability that you already have? So, you know, if you want to use a real example, what would it be? Somebody raising money or something or? Uh... Well, I, th I think, you know, a lot of people um, get stuck in their businesses. I think that's yeah. probably the thing, right? So they, they yeah. if you think about entrepreneurship, right? Most people become entrepreneurial because they want to be free. They want to have yeah. choices, all that. But they realize as soon as they get into it, that doesn't happen. I read a stat recently, actually, mm -hmm. it said, is it something like, I think it was a Forbes article. They said something like 70% of entrepreneurs um, don't see their family or don't see their kids. Something yeah. ridiculous like that. And they don't know a way out, yeah. right? So they've, in fact, they might've been better off or they think they might've been better off staying in some form of employment if that's where they'd come from. Totally, because freedom doesn't come from circumstance. Freedom comes from inside. And you're actually constrained in your business and your life and your fitness, literally in any area by the things that are making you uncomfortable. And if you're avoiding those things, you're literally locking yourself into a jail cell of the results that you already have. Now, you might get a little bit better, a little bit worse, but unless you go through that barrier, you're confined to what you already have. And of course, you're going to feel stuck, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an executive, whether you're the CEO of a big public company, or you're just starting out something on your own. The stuckness is not outside. It's through what we're actually uncomfortable yeah. with inside. And so when we find and locate those things, that's where the big gains in performance come from. Let's get into it. You've, you've, yeah. you've, you've cast, the, cast the net now, right? So, <laughs> so, 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 so we're talking about the internal drivers, mindset's going to come into this, emotional state, all of these things. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, if you don't know what the blocker is, right? Let, yep. Let's say, for example, we, we buy into the fact that the external things are not the problem, right? Right. It's something, it's something in here, right? Somewhere. Right. Yep. How, how, do you, how do you work that out? We, it's really easy. You find where you're uncomfortable. And I find a lot of times with entrepreneurs, even at mid-level um, entrepreneurs that have a fairly successful company, they're afraid to maybe ask for money or ask for sales or have some difficult conversations with the executives in their company that they've hired because you know they want people to feel good. They want to feel successful. They want to be on this trajectory. And so you might start there and say, hey, you know, I'm uncomfortable to have... Um, a tough conversation with my head of sales. Would that be a fair example? Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, just, or maybe, maybe even, I think he threw some of the conversations, just, just candor, right? The idea of yeah. conflict, maybe, you know, because some, even though someone's successful might be running a company, doesn't mean they're happy, challenging, 
you know, results or circumstances. They have my heart behind that. Exactly. And what I would look for is if you put yourself in that moment of discomfort, right? If you were to actually have that conversation, how you want to have it, how does it feel in that specific moment? It's probably located somewhere in your body. Mm-hmm. And if you look a little bit further, either just in your head, or you might want to journal of this. There was a first time that you felt that way. There was some kind of discomfort that happened. Maybe when you were much younger, maybe it was last year, whenever it was, those feelings started at a certain point. And when you can get to the root of that, you can start to break free from it. You can say, hey, I decided um, I wasn't going to speak with candor because I wanted people to like me. Mm -hmm. And that happened when I was six years old. I don't know. Okay, great. Once you get to that core of discomfort, then you've got to commit to what you really want to achieve. Like I'm committed to bringing candor, love, joy, whatever it is in that moment. And that's the second step, something I call get a tattoo. Commit so right. deeply, there's no going back. I did that right? years ago. I've got, I've got the word courage written on my, um, on my right ankle um, in, in, in either Japanese or Chinese or something like that. And everyone kind of jokes and says, <laughs> you're not sure. <laughs> well, I can't remember. It was so long ago I had it done, right? But I, I'm, yeah. I, I, just, I just thought, I don't know why I even did the, did the, um, the sort of Asian language symbol, but people joke and yeah. say, it says frog. <laughs> I, I can't read it so i have googled but no but it says courage and, and i did it i tell you when i did it i yeah. did it so it must be over 22 years ago because I, I was in sydney at the time and i was about yeah. to move over to the uk mm-hmm. and i had this um thought or belief which is that you know everything that's great sits on the other side of fear right so you've totally. similar to what you're talking about but exactly. just a different way of saying it so i thought you know what i'm going to tattoo the word courage on my ankle or my body somewhere so that yeah. anytime I felt fear to make a decision or to jump into something, you know, I'd committed to being courageous. Yeah. So there you yeah. Go. It, it, and that's a fair characterization of what we're talking about here, right? Like yeah. in those really dark moments, the hard moments, not in the intellectualization of them, not thinking about them, but when they're actually happening, bring that courage, that commitment to what it is that you want to be in that moment, what you want to achieve. Yeah. And, I don't even know why I did that though. You know, it's funny because it's such a long time ago. Huh. I must have thought back then that that would that was a sign of commitment. You know, like if I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna if I'm gonna mark my body with that. I, I means... would say it it is, at least at some <laughs> level. <laughs> I, I, the reason, the reason I say well, the reason I say it's hard to remember <laughs> is I've I've gone through a number of different transformations since, right? So back to the yeah. point of identity. The identity of who I was before I jumped on that plane in the late nineties is very different to the person who's here now. So therefore I can't really always remember exactly the values that I had then and different beliefs and standards. I'll tell you, I'm somebody that like always wants to like achieve and be done, right? Like I want to sell the company. I want to hit this level of fitness. I want to be in this relationship and then I can relax for a minute. And the reality is that moment never never comes yeah. right it's, it's just like you say it's continual growth and you hit this peak and then you find the next one a lot of coaches i've worked with over the years have called it a mountain with no top you just keep going and it's the courage that you continually bring that gets you there yeah i'm i knew we'd be very similar i'm like that why why totally. why, why are people like that you know because because i one of my biggest kind of things that people say you know celebrate the wins right or you know yeah. once once something you know just actually enjoy it for a period of time, <laughs> but I'll be like, yeah. okay, what's next? Let's go. Right. Yeah. And I'm all for enjoying, but I think oftentimes people are just stuck in their, their comfort zone, the status quo. 
you know, oftentimes people will talk about, uh, there's that saying better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And that's what the status quo is. People will come to me. Probably the number one question I get is Sterling, you talk about hunting discomfort. I'm dealing with this in my business. This is my relationship. This with my money. I've got enough discomfort. And I say, every time you're not hunting with discomfort, you're living with it right? You've justified why you have all these problems, why your personality is the way that it is. And you've locked yourself in that uh, cage of results. Is, is that where you start to see the victim thing come out? So that it, like, I, I often, sometimes it's that point yeah. of mediocrity, like, you know, if something's not bad or it's not great, right? Like it's kind of in the middle, you tolerate it's it. It's okay. You, know, yeah. you don't make any change. For, and until, until it becomes really bad, for example, then you, then you, yeah. it sparks action or sparks a different, different response. Yeah, I, I hear it's fine all the time. And, you know, back in my story, I was fine, right? I, I was successful. I had all the things that told me that I was successful. But if I really looked, I was okay. And then I was still okay. And I was fine and explained myself away until I'm sleeping in the guest room at my parents' house. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not fine. And it took that rock bottom moment to get me going. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want that to happen to me again. Right. So these areas that are just fine, these places that I've explained away why I have them, I want to go after those things. So I don't land back at my parents' house again, now in my forties, it's just not a good look. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> just, right. Just, just like, the thought of that doesn't feel good. I mean, it was brutal when it happened. I'm like, I'm just not doing that again. And it's just, it's not just their house. I mean, they're lovely people. I love them to death. It, it's, um, I would rather seek the uncomfortable things and put myself in uncomfortable situations than being victim of the things that happen to me in the future. Because everything in the world around us is uncertain. And the more we hunt discomfort anywhere, the better we get at handling it everywhere. I found this research uh, in writing the book out of the University of Michigan. And they did this brain science study where they were scanning people's brains when they were experiencing discomfort of different sorts. So... I don't know exactly the details, but if they broke a leg, they'd scan somebody's brain and be like, okay, this is what that brain looks like in that uncomfortable pain, physical pain. Somebody lost their job or was in a breakup. Let's scan their brain again. And what they found is that no matter what kind of discomfort it was, physical, mental, emotional, the body and brain process it almost identically. They couldn't tell the difference so much so that, that you can take Advil and feel better from emotional pain. Like that's how close it is in your body. I'm not recommending that, by the way. I'm looking at your face. I'm like, you should not do that. None of your listeners should do that. But at the same time, what that meant to me was, hey, if it works the same way in the body and the brain, that means we can build this muscle, right? You go to the gym to build your uh, biceps. You hunt discomfort if you want to build your resiliency. And that research. Let's, let's talk about the, the process again. So we got up to the yeah. tattoo before I got excited about. I, right, right. Um, and so that's that's interesting. So so let's let's just play with this. And I also want to then get your personal perspective on what you sure. do, right? So we yeah. can learn from that. But let's go through the process. So we've now we sort of said metaphorically putting the tattoo, not Nick, go and get a tattoo. <laughs> but so so back to oh, the although ambulance. you can. I mean, we've got people in the community that will tattoo their company's names on their arms. Have you have, uh, you, got, have them, you got no matter what tattooed somewhere? I, I do not yet. I'm going to have oh, to come challenge. over and get one. I know. 
I know. Um, okay, so 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 the point we're talking about here is you are you are absolutely committing to it, right? I get that. And then and right. then what? So you know, because I'm really curious about when we say hunting discomfort as the term you're yeah. using, title of your book and all that. What does that actively look like? You know, every yeah. day do I have to do something that just scares me a bit? Every week I have to play. What does it look like so we can get to that sort of? Yeah. Well, well, let's keep playing out our our example here. Just committing is not enough because when you're going through those really hard times you need people on your side to help. You need the, the third step of the no matter what system, which I call build a street gang, right? Surround yourself with people that are going to do many things for you. Maybe most importantly, hold you accountable. Mm, okay. Uh, when you're personally accountable, that means there's a specific time, a specific promise, and a specific place that you're going to be personally accountable for something. You're 95% more likely to achieve that. Is that a true stat? Is that like, is that true proven? stat? Yeah. Yeah. I, I forget the research exactly, but it, it's cited in the book. And it's like, wait, if, if you're really committed to something, you need to be personally accountable to somebody to achieve that. So you take whatever it is that you're committed to, you take your tattoo and you find people or a person to hold you accountable to that. I think self-accountability is fine for um, maintenance and maintaining the status quo, but it won't work for growth. Right. And how did, so again, we'll, let's go through the process. Then I definitely want to get into your stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm eager yeah. so, to, so, so fourth, step, fourth okay. step is flip it because we all run into problems and challenges and it's the things that we're most ashamed of, embarrassed of, scared of the things that we shy away from. Hey, I don't have enough money, enough time, enough budget. I'm not the right kind of person to achieve whatever it is that I want to. It's the, those specific things that when you take them out of the closet and you air them out, become your greatest success. And you just have to find out how to do that. You're like, for me, I was embarrassed of being part of that failure. I mean, it was a low point in my life and especially all of the bad things that came from it. And so what I did is I went on the stage and I talked about those exact things. And what I was most ashamed of has become part of, maybe not the reason of, but certainly part of my success. It's been a huge component of it. Um, does that make sense so far? No, it makes perfect sense. No, no, no none of this is confusing. I think it's, well, the, the reason I'm, I'm sort of listening intently with it is I think back to when I started the podcast, I, I didn't really do it for any other reason than as a form of therapy, right? So it, yeah. was, it was cathartic to get on the end of a mic. And I joke, everyone knows this, listen, I had the mic the wrong way around and it was all muffled. It sounded terrible. But, um, <laughs> but the, first, the first sort of 25 episodes were not interviews. It was me telling stories of stuff that had gone on and wow. I was really doing it just to get it out. Like I'm not a, yeah. I'm not a writer. Like, you know, some people like to journal. I, I don't do that, but I can express it, it through voice through that. Yeah. So that's I do the same I, by I, the way. Yeah. It's people yeah. have different ways of doing it. My wife's a writer, for example. So she, she, everything has to be put on something, you know, to get it out. Right. But I think, you know, it sounds to me like you getting on stage, two things happen there. A, it gets out of you, right? So it's a way yep. of releasing stuff. Um, and when you're doing it publicly back to accountability, you know, totally. God, you can't hide from that. There's can no you? going back at that point. No. Yeah. So I get it. I mean, get it. There, there's inherent strength in those thing, things if you take the time to find it. Um, and then the fifth step, maybe the most important step of the whole thing, is a step I call surrender. And I mean surrender in two mm. ways. Okay. One is you need to surrender the resources, time, money, whatever it is that is necessary to achieve your goal. Most people would know that. The second piece is you've got to surrender your resistance to it. 
you need to accept what is exactly how it is. <laughs> is that, 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 it, was all, it was all good up to that point. The reason I'm laughing, one of the most painful books I read um, was a book called The Surrender Experiments. Don't know if you've ever read it. Oh, uh, Michael by, Brown, yes. Uh, Michael Singer. I think no, it was Michael Singer. Singer. Singer, Michael Singer. Definitely, yeah. definitely Michael. Great definitely book. Singer. Anyway, oh, I hate that book. I can't stand that. Like, like, it's like <laughs> my business partner loves it. He's like, oh, you know, just meditate. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, what? <laughs> but I get the principle of it. Like, and it's the, it's the best book in the world in terms of a guy who just doesn't yeah. want to be successful, become successful because he just gives in to things and doesn't resist. Right. But for yeah. someone like me, I, I don't know what you call that personality, a type or something. It just feels so the opposite. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, what got me because I lived in California for a while, so I'm in Denver now. But when I was there, I got into yoga and breathing and I was the same way. I'm like, what is this stuff? Like, why am I doing this? This feels like a waste of time. And then I started to do some research and I found some stuff by uh, Carl Jung. I oh, think yeah. probably most people know Carl Jung, right? Yeah. His uh, psychological research is the foundation of the Myers-Briggs test. And oh, and the stuff, he did, the stuff he did on branding is amazing too, in terms of amazing. archetypes. You know, if you think about it, oh my he's, he's a, the, the impact on not just psychology, but just the way people are motivated and influenced. Incredible. Totally. Yeah. And he said this thing, there's a whole, he said a lot, but one of the things that really stood out to me is he said, we cannot change anything until we accept it. Condemnation doesn't, li doesn't um, liberate, it oppresses. Mm. I was like, wow. So I can spend the money, spend the time, take all the resources. And it, if I'm upset about that, if I'm holding on to it, it's just not going to work. And I've totally found that to be true wow. as like hard charging a type as I want to be. And I, a lot of the companies that we work with are, it's that surrendering that takes it to the next level. You can't just yeah. fight through discomfort. If the way out is through the way through is to surrender. Yeah. That I think is probably the most challenging part. Well, listen, we said at the very no beginning of, of having a chat, where, where's the, where's the point of difference a little bit in terms of you? Cause a lot, you know, if you, if you look at kind of it on face value, so reading your profile, yeah. what you're about breaking through all this sort of stuff um, it's the way to break through, but that surrendering things interesting, particularly with the other stuff that you said. So, so yeah. let's get into um, you know, you personally and, and the people you work with. Right. So if someone comes along and says, okay, I get, I get the five pieces, like the steps, the yeah. process. How do I apply that? What do I do? Yeah. What, do I, what do I need to do? You know, I, I know everyone's situation is different. So let's talk about yours. Yeah. Well, I, I think I may have said it already. You've got to look at discomfort as a divining rod to find what you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. And many people have constructed their lives and businesses to avoid discomfort of any sort. So sometimes it really does take some looking. You can do it by journaling. You can talk to your significant other. You can work with, you know, countless coaches could probably help you find it. Uh, but it's that discomfort, or better said, avoiding it, that's driving your business results. It's actually built into the culture of companies, things that are okay to do and things that are not okay to do. So it's that shift in how you look at discomfort that's hugely important. The second piece is, you know, one of the things that I can't stand, especially on Instagram and Facebook and some of these other places, all this like super positive motivation. To me, motivation is convincing yourself or somebody else to do something you don't really want to do. Like, I'm going to get up early, but I don't want to. I'm going to go to the gym, but I don't want to. I'm going to make the sales call. I'm going to make this call to raise money, but I really don't want to do that. And I think there's a place for motivation. I think it works to a certain level, but there's something inside you that's true. Once you start to surrender to more and more discomfort, 
authentic inspiration starts to come through. And when you can put that as the mission of your company or the mission of yourself, that's what starts to become un, uh, unstoppable. You know, a lot of these missions and visions have become marketing exercises for companies and they post them up on their website. They might even print them out and put them on the wall. And I walk into these companies and it's all the things that they're going to do. And I sit in meetings and they do none of them. It's a facade. And I'm like, why, why do you even bother with that BS? A mission should be the lived reality of how you're approaching life and business. And if it's anything but, you're wasting your time. So how do and you that's surrender? a lot of the work we do with companies. How do you surrender? Not you, Personally, but just in general. I, I, well, you can say about I, your, it might be good to use your example, actually, but just so we can make, because I think a lot of, you know, remember, I come from the world of private equity and guys that yeah, are, right. you know, hanging around like, you know, you know, this, ever seen the TV show Billions? Ever watched that? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a big TV person, admittedly. No, but, or you know, back in the '80s when you had Wall Street and Gordon Gecko, right? You know the, yeah. that sort of thing. Like a lot of the guys in my world were that, right? Or that yeah. sort of thing. So the concept of surrender equals weak, right? So, so how do you how do you surrender? Yeah. Well, I've got a lot of practices for it. I, I do a lot of uh, meditation. I mentioned Michael Brown earlier. I mistakenly, he's got a book called The Presence Process, which I think right. is phenomenal in terms of. Uh, connecting more deeply with the things that are inside of you uh, and really how to get some of that discomfort out of the way. And I do a lot of uh, endurance sports running. Well, I was running a lot before my, uh, I ran out of cartilage in my left knee. Oh, I can I do fix a lot that for of you. cycling. <laughs> What's that? I can fix that for you. I, I had, yeah, well, um, we're going to have to talk offline about we'll that. We'll talk offline sure. about that, but no, I had, I had platelet surgery or, or, or what do you call it? Stem cells put into my right knee. I've just been looking into this. We'll talk about offline, but there is a, there is a, I couldn't walk up and downstairs. And then I went and saw this guy who works on all the NBA uh, players. And within about three months, I was out running again. So anyway, that's amazing. offline. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, that, that's where I'm looking to go. And what I found is when I push my body physically past a breaking point, I have to let go. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I did a, a ride through the Rockies, 107 miles called triple bypass, uh, three mountain passes, 10,000 miles of elevation gain. And I don't say that because I'm, you know, some badass cyclist and I'm doing the tour de France and all these things. I'm saying that because I bought a bicycle that summer that I was going to do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in. And there just comes a point when you're looking up at that mountain, you know, the reality of it or metaphorically, I'm like, I just can't, I don't want to. And it comes down to, it doesn't matter what you want. All you have to do is keep turning the pedals. And that to me is the essence of surrender. When you're in those situations, I'm forced to let go of all the thoughts I have about it, what I want, what I don't want. And if I just keep turning the pedals, eventually it's, I give in. I don't give up, but I give in to something that's greater than myself. And that new potential comes through. So you've, you've just then explained two ways of doing that, both physical and mental to some extent. Well, you could argue yeah, meditation. To me, they go, they go together. Yeah, well, they're linked. Um, I went to a totally. Tony Robbins event a few years ago and he um, talked about um, brainwaves and heart waves and showed yep. some science behind this, that if you, if you meditate in a certain way with your hands on your heart and you're thinking about memories and whatever else, you can actually get alignment between the yeah. two things syncing up. Yeah, I've seen that. It's incredible. It's incredible, isn't it? I, I, you know, the whole emotional connection versus the mental connection. But I mean, you know, as I said, we talked uh, before we press record about, you know, I've done a whole heap of endurance stuff as well. I think there are points when I've done sort of 100K or 100 mile races where you you have no choice. I get it. You have no choice but to surrender because the physicality of you is already a certain place. And there's points there where it's quite easy to give up. But Mm -hmm. if you push through that, right, you get to a pretty amazing place. 
right? Exactly. Which I think must and, be then the definition of what you're saying, which is surrender, right? Exactly. And as you can do that physically, you can bring that into other situations. It's a capacity mm. that you build. And I've been on runs, bike rides where I have tears coming out of my eyes. Or I just want to yell randomly. Like it's really crazy where you get, you know, and I know, I, know. I, I can remember some of the, some of my most amazing races, half the medals are behind me, but um, right. you know, there's points where I've been like, I remember one race uh, in Vermont, I was running and yeah, you know, halfway through the race, you know, I remember going to an aid station. My dad was there and, and a friend of mine and they, there's no way you're finishing this race. Right. Yeah. And then the next, Eight station was 10 miles down the road and i ran through like i just started and i ended up taking up 25 places in the last half of the race wow you know? and and it was funny actually because there was a point where my body was starting to go um and and then i sort of knew what i needed to do physically for that in terms of nutrition yeah. so that was more the practicalities but the mental side was really interesting it was like you know i yeah. I, I have a mantra right you know i run to and all these sort of things yep. and i just kind of kept on going and everything turned so yeah. Maybe that's a metaphor yeah. for life as well. And do you find you can bring that same capacity into business or you kind of segmented it? That's only a physical activity. No, no, I, I bring it into other areas. And, and, and one, thing yeah. I'll, one thing I found really fascinating, I haven't, I've always found meditation challenging because my brain is so active. And I yeah. know it's one of those things that I need to, I need to go deeper into because yeah. I've seen the benefits, but I have found it hard to be consistent. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, when I was meditating consistently, I play basketball as well. And I remember going into a grand final game. No kidding, right? Uh -huh. And I'm the oldest guy on the court. You know, all the uh -huh. other guys are like 20. I'm like 48. And I scored 27 points in the final and I just did not miss. And wow. I, I remember thinking what happened on the court in that pressurized situation was focus. Like everything yep. slowed down. You know, I was not, I, I was not thinking too much about, oh, the shot could miss. It could, I was just in, yep. in flow, right? Yeah. And I'm sure that was because I was very consistent with my meditative meditation practice. Yeah, so I taught I, I'm myself sure it was to be a out of focus. Part of it. Yeah, but it's yeah. Like, so there's there's elements like that which I think both on the physical. I do think it's connected, but I think if you can bring yeah. it all together, you know, and there's probably a little bit more on the emotional side that we haven't talked about. Um, yeah. Then actually, you're probably you, you're going to be very powerful in that situation. You're going to feel yeah. very present, you know, very connected, all that sort of stuff. No question. You might even say like your unwillingness to meditate is a discomfort of a different sort, right? Like oftentimes it's not going out there and making the phone call, whatever it is. Sometimes it's like, okay, I'm uncomfortable sitting down for 15 minutes to meditate. And that's just as valid. Now mm. I see a lot of times people are like, ah, the success is always outside of your comfort zone. And that's true, but it's not just a panacea of results. There's a sweet spot of discomfort. It's kind of like a bell curve. Right. where you've got comfort on one side and you've got extreme discomfort on the other side. And if you're in either one of those places, you're not going to be very effective. But when you find that sweet spot, you could call the flow state between comfortable and uncomfortable. Not only do you perform better, like you're saying in your basketball game, but you can learn up to four times faster. I found this research out of Yale wow. that said, when you're uncomfortable in that peak spot, not too uncomfortable, not too comfortable, but peak discomfort, learning up to four times faster. I'm thinking, man, I wish I knew that in college. I would have been sitting on like a bed of nails or something as I'm listening to the professor. But I think, you know, <laughs> you, you make a very interesting point though, because I think how you find that place is going to be very, very different per individual, right? No question. So that's the experimentation and the trying different stuff. And because, you know, it was funny when I, um, when I first started doing the podcast, which is now a few years, right? I, right. 
I was leaning a lot into um, personal developments, inverted commas type of stuff. Sure. And you read, you read stuff, you try stuff, you experiment. And, yeah. and, and you, you can always tell someone who's kind of new into this world, right? Or this idea of, of growth, because, you know, they're, they're doing everything that the book tells you to do. Right. Yep. I've got I've got to get up at 345 and I've got to meditate for 25 minutes. And then I've got to do my visualization. Then I've got my my 58 affirmations. And then I've yep. got to go for my walk and, and do more affirmations. And then I've right. got to drink my four liters of water. Right. <laughs> and 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 then you realize, because I was a bit like that, I was like, oh, that's the way you do it. And then I realized actually that's that's just I had to then work what's going to work for me. Right. Exactly. And and then when you start to realize that that's quite different for everybody, is when you yeah. start to, I think, really connect with it. Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of people getting into it, it's all force and no surrender, right? Surrendering helps you become what it is that you're looking to achieve. And unless you're surrendering into some of those things, they just become very superficial. And your point's a good one. Discomfort or any of these things are relative, right? Like what's uncomfortable for me is different than it would be for somebody else. But just because the circumstances, the outside situation is very different that doesn't mean the human experiences. Like you can't be sadder than sad. You can't be more fearful than fearful. So every single person's discomfort is, as you say, different depending on where they're at. And their ability to handle discomfort only grows. It's back to what we were saying in the beginning, right? Mm. You build that discomfort muscle. Where you meet it anywhere, you can use it everywhere. And I, and I bet there's a point here where, you know, we said beforehand, if if you're overwhelmed, burnt out, all that sort of stuff, adding more discomfort or more, which could be that that's not maybe not the right solution. But there's a point here where there are times where the surrendering becomes mm -hmm. as important as the pushing through. Absolutely. The way out is through, but the way through is to surrender. Yeah. And if you just continually force things, you might make progress, but how is it going to be getting out of bed a year from now or two years from now? Or, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're seeking freedom. Oh, I'm going to start my own company. Finally, I'm going to get out of corporate America. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm working more hours. I'm making less money. I have more responsibilities. Maybe I should go, go back to corporate. The problem is not the circumstance. It's that you're not surrendering into whatever the current situation is. And when you do that, it's massively powerful and freeing. Not only are all the financial results on the other side of that, but all the joy and happiness in life are as well. Yeah, wow. Very nice. Are there any, I, 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 it's, I'm going to ask this question, even though I think after what we've yeah. just spoken about for the last 40 minutes, I don't think it's probably a great answer to it. But, you know. <laughs> Way to set me up to win, huh? <laughs> well, well, only because, I, well, let, let me contextualize it, right? Like I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling the story yeah. before I ask the question. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the fact that like lots of people are looking for a place to start. <clears throat> we talked a little bit about this 20 minutes ago, yeah. but you know, if you were, if you think about your journey, the last, you know, eight years into this space and you've learned so much and someone turns up and they just don't know where to begin. What's, what is that first step? Is it the journaling you said before? Is it getting a coach? Is it, you know, they, well, what is it? What's I, the first thing? I, I would go even simpler than that. I would commit yeah. to doing at least one thing every single day, no matter what. And I don't care what that thing is. It might be, I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to make a sales phone call. I'm going to send this email that I've been putting off, but commit to one thing and make sure you do that thing, regardless of the circumstances. And what does that and do? So let's play with that. Cause my, my one thing I do every day is I always have a cold shower just to give you an example. Nice. <clears throat> and I do that yeah. because it changes my state and turns me on. Right. I don't mm -hmm. like it. Right. To be frank. Well, you know, same. Yeah. But, but as soon as I do it, like, boom. Right. We're yeah. On. 
Well, you're, you're a bit of a pro in some of this stuff, but a lot of people will just be um, subject to the circumstances of their day, right? There's always an emergency. There's some fire drill. There's something that happens. Then you never get around to those things that are really important for you to do. Yeah. And when you commit and follow through on doing one thing a day, it builds your capacity to do those things over time. Right. I would imagine in addition to cold shower, there are other things that you could commit to on a daily basis, weekly basis, regular yeah, basis. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm, I, and you know now, you're going to follow through. Right. Yeah. Because I've 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 worked right. out what works for me. I mean, there's certain listen and to be as I said beforehand, it's not perfect. Yeah. And I'm always experimenting. And there are things that I know. Right. I know that if I do more of them, I'm going to be more effective in terms of what I'm trying to create. I'm very clear on what I'm right. trying to create. So the, the right. end goal or the end game, certainly, you know, 20 years out, I'm clear what I'm trying to do. It's yeah. just the day-to-day towards that has flexibility depending on totally. different things. But yeah. I, I get your point. So if, if someone starts with one thing and they build up that confidence as well from doing that, exactly, that allows them to then add more to that. Or to, yeah, I can see what you mean. Because a lot of people are just, you're right, letting the world or letting life happen to them. Yeah, not just confidence, but courage, right? Like, sure, the day went to shit. But I'm going to do, I'm the kind of person, I actually believe I'm the kind of person that is still going to be able to do the things that matter to me that I need to do no matter what. There you go. And that's why you've got it written in massive black letters behind your head. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Normally I'm wearing the t-shirt too, but not today. Well, you know, you've got, you've got the book. So the book, the book we've been talking around and in is called Hunting Discomfort. Is it out now? It comes out June 21st. Pre-orders are open now though, yes. Right, awesome. Okay, so how to break through results in life and business, no matter what. No okay, matter so, what. So obviously the, the question I always ask people here is what's next for um, uh, for Sterling Hawkins, but clearly it's a book coming out. What, exactly. What else, what else have you got, um, what else have you got uh, coming up or anything like that that you're excited well, about? I, I'll tell you, for as much as I've gotten out of the system and I'm excited for the book launch and all these speaking engagements and everything else, what really fires me up is what the community and the companies that we're working with are doing. Right. And it's, it's this group of people that are committed to big audacious things. Like I was saying in the beginning, and they commit to go through them no matter what. I mentioned uh, some of the people in our community have gotten tattoos of their company on their arm. And one of them, he just texted me this morning. His name's Emmanuel. Yeah. He goes, uh, let, me, let me just look at this thing because I saw it and I was like, he's not dude, working for, he's no not working for, he's not working for Peloton, way. is he? <laughs> no, he's not working for Peloton. But, but he goes, uh, we are now an eight-figure company. By the way, when he started out, when he got a tattoo, he was making no money. He just lost a job in the middle of the pandemic or earlier on in the pandemic. Wasn't quite sure where he was going to go. Tattooed his company on, I think it's his right bicep. And he says, um, just by believing no matter what, building my street gang, things are changing fast for me. Now an eight-figure company in what, two years? It's unreal. And seeing stuff like that, like that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And more of that is where I'm headed. And just, I mean, <clears throat> we're going to finish up in a second, but I'm curious because yeah. you just opened that up. Two years is obviously a very quick time to go from you know that level of growth. What were two or three of the observations you had? You know, again, that either he changed or made difference, or what he then impacted with his with his business. Yeah, well, he started getting into a lot of endurance things, right? He, he's looking at what I'm doing. He had similar conversation with him, although played out over many months about what that surrender component is. How do you let go of what you think you should be, what you're capable of? Uh, what's reasonable in the world. Reasonable is only what you think it is, right? And so as he pushed past some of those barriers physically in endurance races that he was a part of, he started to achieve those things in business. Yeah, so that was one. something in that for sure. 
And, mm-hmm. and I also think getting a tattoo was a huge piece of it. He, he's, he's got this funny story. I think I have part of it in the book, actually, where he's like, I just walked out one day. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. And I walked into a tattoo shop and I got this tattoo and I went home. My wife was like, what are you doing? And what is that company name on your arm? It's called Left Spire. And he goes, I, we got into a deep conversation and it was that commitment that he had that his wife then bought into that's become this huge success. So those two things I think have been huge for him. Yeah, I, I must say, you know, as because I, I started doing my my ultra marathons and things like that over a decade ago, and yeah. um, you sometimes forget. But I think I remember walking into boardrooms, you know, when I was doing a lot of negotiation in the private equity world, and because I'd put myself through those physical discomforts, mm-hmm. um, I felt bulletproof in any situation. You know, because totally. you'd look at people, and not not that it was always about you know me versus them, but there is something about once you've gone through that level of grit and resilience. Yeah. You know, well, it, once it you feels... hunt discomfort, you're free of it. Yeah. And, and you are bulletproof. Things can't touch you because you're not uncomfortable anymore, at least in those situations or to the level that you built it. I love it. There you go. Well, listen, it, it's been awesome, Sterling. So thank you. I thought we have a good fun conversation. Um, thank you, Dick. Yeah, it's riffing, been a blast. I look forward to doing it again forward. sometime. Yeah, it's been great. Well, listen, well, what we'll do is so the book, as we said, Hunting Discomfort, we'll make sure that we link all that into the show notes and promote that when it comes out. Um, yeah, and if people want to reach out to you specifically, um, what's the best way? Go on your website. Sterlinghawkins.com. All the information's there. And I'm fairly searchable on Instagram, all the social media, except not TikTok. I'm not doing TikTok. No, yet. I'm not dancing with the duck either. <laughs> I, you know, I, my, my social media team are like, oh, you've got to go on TikTok and I'm not dancing. I mean, like, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to do that. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm just... Well, what's worse, I have people that are like, well, you have to because dancing makes you uncomfortable. I'm like, I know, I know. It we're, doesn't. We're, we're like, just, you, you, you're using it wrong. We've just, we've just screwed up the whole whole conversation now because everyone's going to yeah. say, you, both of you guys have to dance <laughs> dance on TikTok. I'm like, yeah, totally. Mm, All right, listen, awesome, Sterling. As I said, absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for uh, gracing us with your presence on Scale Up this week, and uh, all the best, mate. Um, great mission, great purpose. Love the story. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Been a pleasure being here. Thanks, Nick. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show, or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.